All right. Well, good, good evening, everybody. It is, it is lovely to be here with the fire. Can we give it up for the interns who made a fire back there today? We are, uh, we are, facing, we are facing in this direction now, and it is lovely. Uh, the band, you all sound great tonight. I just want to say that. And uh, for those of you who are here, who it is your birthday, I see you. I just want you to know that I, I just want you to know that I see you. I, I promised her we wouldn't. There we go. That was, Hannah, that was not my intention. Uh, my, name, my name is Lewis Lovett. I'm the, I'm the campus minister with RUF. If, if I have not met you, I would love to meet you. Uh, if you are um, thinking about life or faith or relationships or how did Nick Chubb get COVID, like I would love to talk to you. Uh, I like coffee. I like free swipes at D-Hall. I like ice cream. I like it all, okay? Um, we have been talking. This is week nine of RUF, which is crazy. Um, and we've been talking this whole semester about community, about what this thing is that we are trying to be about together. And we say that RUF is a, is a community uh, that seeks to, to know and respond to God's love for us by loving him, by loving one another, and by loving our campus. And so we've been talking about different aspects of this community each week. And this week we are talking about love. That the community of God's people is a community of love. And we're going to be looking in, in John 13 to talk about uh, this community of love. And I just want to kind of situate you where, where we are in, in John 13. John 13 to 17, those five chapters uh, all happen on the same night. So, so the Gospel of John, of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one of the things that's unique about it is that it dedicates a lot of time to this evening that Jesus and his 12 disciples have in this room. It's where they celebrate the Passover, which is... Uh, the, the commemoration of God bringing his people out of slavery in Egypt. Uh, this is where they have the Last Supper. This is where Jesus breaks the bread and says, this is my body broken for you. He passes a cup of wine around. He said, this blood is a new covenant in my blood. Uh, this is also in, in, um, in John 13, right at the beginning of this chapter is when Jesus washes the disciples' feet, which is a story you may be familiar with. This is in, this in, incredibly uh, tender and intimate and kind of ridiculous moment where Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one perfect sinless man, gets down on the ground and washes the dirty feet of his disciples. This, this act of, of love and of humility and of service. And then the next thing that happens is that Jesus announces that one of his 12 disciples, his best friends, his followers, is going to betray him. And he calls out Judas. And then Judas stands up and walks out of the room. And then we get to this passage, okay? So it's already been kind of an intense night is what I'm trying to say. That Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. He's named his betrayer who has gotten up and left to go betray him. And then he says this, okay? So it's printed on the back of your, of your handout, but we're in John 13, starting in verse 31. Please read along with me. And when he had gone out, that's Judas, had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. 
Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Let me pray it. won't get started. Lord Jesus, we praise you for your love. I'm really grateful to get to be here with these friends tonight. I'm thankful for the, the sound of their voices and for crisp air and the little smell of wood smoke from the fire. Uh, please help us to attend to this moment. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be at work through your word right now in us so that we might know you and love you more and love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. This is probably pretty obvious to you, but I played a couple of years of high school football. And uh, <clears throat> what's, what's the joke? Um, and uh, I remember as a, as a freshman and sophomore playing on the junior varsity football team, but uh, you usually still got to dress for varsity games, even as a freshman. And this was a big deal in my high school for, for a couple of reasons. First is because you got to like be in the locker room and listening to the pump-up music, and uh, you got to get all your pads on, and this jersey that yours was really, really clean, and you got to you know, run out through that like big paper thing that the cheerleaders made. Is that a thing that happened at your guys' high school? Does that happen at my high school? And you got to stand on the sideline and kind of like be a part of the game. And I, I actually got to like play a few times, and I had no idea what I was doing. And we were either like winning by a lot or losing by a lot, so it didn't really matter, right? <laughs> Uh, that, it was cool for that reason, but really the other reason it was cool is because uh, I went to a high school uh, where they, we had a dress code. It's like I had to wear a tie to, to school every day. But if you played football on Fridays, you got to wear your jersey. And so all the football players, like me, we'd have our jerseys on. And this is, you know, it's still dress codes. We still have like khakis on and sneakers and a football jersey, which thinking back isn't cool but we thought it was, and, and what you would do is you would roll your sleeves, but you rolled them in, you know what I'm talking about? So that, um, like, it was pressing against your biceps to make them look as if, you know. It was pretty cool, it was, it was elite, okay? It was the best, it wasn't. Uh, but this was like this one moment where everyone else is wearing their, you know, their shirt and tie, all the other boys in the school wearing a shirt and tie, but if you're a football player, you're, you're sort of set apart, right? You were readily recognizable. You were distinguished by this jersey. If you were wearing the jersey, everybody knows he's going to be under the lights tonight, okay? The, the Christian community is also a thing that is set apart, that is uh, readily recognizable, that is distinguished. And according to Jesus Christ, the thing that distinguishes God's people, his community, is not a jersey, it's love. That's the thing that sets us apart. That's the thing that if you look at and you see, you know who we are and what we're about. It's love. That's why Jesus says in verse, in verse 35 here, by this all people will know, they'll see that you are my disciples, that you're my followers, that you're my community, if you have love for one another. So we're going to talk about this idea of love, this love that sets us apart and that distinguishes us. Um, and, and I'll, I'll just I'll point out three things from this passage about it, okay? First, for the Christian community, first, love is required. Second, love is a response. And third, love glorifies God. Love is required, love is a response, and love glorifies God, okay? So first, uh, love is required. And, and I want you to notice that, uh, something about these words from Jesus about love. Uh, it's not given as an encouragement or as an exhortation uh, or as a suggestion. It's given as a commandment. He uses the word, I give you this new commandment, that you love one another. That's pretty strong. 
A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And this might sound like a no-brainer. It might, it might sound like easy, like, yeah, everyone, like everyone in the world agrees we should be loving, right? Uh, but uh, most communities, and certainly our community struggles with this, and certainly I struggle with this, we tend to be pretty selective with our love. It turns out there, there, are, there are some people in, in, our, in any given community that are really easy to love, right? Uh, it's easy to love people that you get along with. It's easy to love people that you have a lot of common interests with, that you have affinity with. It's easy to love people that you uh, do all the same kinds of activities or are involved in all the same. That's, I mean, that's not that easy, but at least it's pretty easy, right? But there are, there are some people for each of us that it's really hard to love. Sometimes... Uh, like, this was not meant to be such a contentious thing tonight. We, like, experienced a little bit of this tonight, right? Like, oh, I'm going to say we're on the same team here, but if you're not with me. Uh, it, it can be really hard to love people uh, who vote differently than you do. It can be really hard to love people who have a different color skin than you do. It can be really hard to love people who are richer than you or poorer than you. It can be really hard to love people who are in that like rival fraternity or sorority to to you, right? There's there's all these things, there's all these things that are different about us where we realize actually love is not that is not that easy. There's all these things that separate us. There's all these things that make me tend towards judging that person, holding a grudge against that person, not trusting that person, right? The commandment, the requirement of love, it challenges us to consider who or what kind of people it's hard for us to love. Sometimes it's hard for us to love people who've made really big mistakes. Sometimes it's hard for us to love people who just think differently than we do about things like sexuality, or sex, or alcohol. It's really hard, and I want you to sort of consider tonight as we go along, who are those people, whether individuals or, or groups or types in your mind where you think, yeah, to be honest, I kind of have a hard time loving people like that. And I want you to reckon with what Jesus says is that we are commanded. We are required to love. And if we want to try to embody what a community is, we have to fight for love even towards people that it is really hard for us to love, okay? So that's the first thing. Love is a requirement, not a suggestion. The second thing is that love is a response. Verse 34 continues. He said this, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, and then this, Just as I have loved you you also are to love one another, just as I have loved you. The, the foundation for love in the community of God is not a feeling that we have about each other. It is the love that Jesus Christ has for us. And everything that we do towards one another, we do in response to the love that has been poured out on you and on me through Christ. Love is a response. And, and of course, you, uh, you see in the gospel stories uh, Jesus extending love towards all kinds of weird and different kinds of people, right? Um, you see Jesus extending love to scandalous sinners like tax collectors and prostitutes. You see Jesus extending love towards people who have made really big mistakes like the woman who's caught in adultery. You see uh, Jesus extending radical love to people who are on the other side of the political aisle like Roman soldiers. You see Jesus extending love to people who are considered uh, less valuable than him. In his day and age, that's things like people who are sick. It's women. It's children. You see Jesus drawing near and extending love to people like that. But the uh, ultimate and defining picture of what love is, is the cross of Jesus. 
It is this singular moment of self-sacrifice and self-giving love where Jesus wastes his life away so that we can have life. That's what love is. Jesus says it like this. He says, no greater love has anyone than this than he lay down his life for his friends. That's what love is. It is self-sacrifice and self-giving. It is wasting yourself away for the good of other people. And all those people that we talked about in, in, in that first point that are hard for us to love, to love them is costly. It's not easy. It's hard work. It requires sacrifice. It requires us to give ourselves away. And we see that that is exactly what Jesus is about because that's what the cross is about. And so this challenges us to consider uh, how we define what love is, the love that we give to one another or the love that we try to give to, to one another. And there's, you know, there's little acts of love and there's big acts of love. There's like saying a hello or giving a smile or sending a text message or maybe dropping by with coffee or maybe sending an actual note on a piece of paper or maybe giving a hug or offering a shoulder to cry on or doing some community service or stopping by someone's room. Like we, we do all these different things, right? And if, if you're like me, when you do something like that, what, what I do is in, in, in the inner part of my heart, I kind of pat myself on the back a little bit, like good deed done for the day, you know? Way to go, Lewis. <laughs> I do it kind of for me. Or at least I feel good about it. And, and if we're looking to Jesus and responding to him, then our love will take on the shape of Jesus' love. And that shape is self-sacrifice and self-giving. It costs you. It costs you time. It costs you energy. It might cost you sleep. It might cost you a lot of things that you care about. And we can only do this, we can only believe that this is worth it when we look to what Jesus has done in giving his whole life away, in shedding his blood for us, and being pierced and whipped and mocked and suffocated. For us, in love. And that's why we love. We love in response. We, we talked last week about how part of love is speaking about this good news of Jesus Christ, even though it can cost us, Right? This kind of love means that when something bad or awkward happens and you don't know what to say, you still try to say something. This is the kind of love that when someone gets dropped from your sorority, like you show up with a latte and you just sit with them while they cry. Like that's the kind of love this is, that you got someone and everyone thinks that their opinions on things are crazy and they don't want to talk to them and you're saying, they matter, I'm going to go talk to them and everyone's going to think I'm crazy. These little things take on the shape of the love of Jesus, of self-sacrifice and self-giving love for the good of other people. It's not a suggestion. Love is not a suggestion. It's not a thing we do as we see fit. It's a requirement, and it's a response to the love of God for us in Christ. And lastly tonight, love glorifies God. When we love one another, we bring glory to our Father in heaven. It is a thing that is glorious when we love one another. And I want you to notice how Jesus starts this, this section. This is, remember, right before is when he's called out Judas for betraying him, and then Judas leaves. And then Jesus says, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him now. Judas's departure is the, is the thing that sets in motion all the events that are going to lead to Jesus' death on the cross. It's going to lead to his arrest to the farce of his trial, to his torture, and eventual his murder. 
He's basically saying, uh, now that Judas has left to betray me, now the main event can begin. Now I'm going to show you what real love is. And in doing so, I am going to bring glory to God because that's what love does. Love is a glorious, glorious thing. There, there's, a, there's this uh, other verse here, and I, and I find it to be... I find it to be a little confusing, but here's what he says next. I want to try to get a handle on this. Verse 33, Jesus says, little children. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> He's talking to his disciples, who, most of whom, by the way, were probably older than him, which we don't think about very much. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. What's going on here? Jesus is setting his eyes toward what he's about. These things that have been set in motion, this moment where he reveals love and gives glory to God, the thing he has to do is he has to cross over sin and death. And we cannot do that. But he does this. In his death and in his resurrection, he passes through this impenetrable barrier of sin and death to, to bring intimacy with God. And he's saying, you can't do that. But we, but we now know that like, he's gone to make a way for us. That his love has actually made that way for us. So now you can follow after him. You know how you do it? In love. And it brings glory to God. It is shouting to the whole world, this is what God is like. He gives himself away in love. And God is so good in his nature that everything that he has... He gives away and shares with his people, with his community. So that even this idea of glory, this like infinite and pure and holy spirit of joy in the presence of God that is his glory, is something that he is inviting you into for eternity. Because he loves you. Christians, uh, we talk about love all the time. We've been singing about love tonight. We pray about love. We listen to people talk about love and to sing about love, right? You're doing it right now. I think God is calling us to a, to a little more. You, you guys have uh, heard me, if you were here a couple weeks ago, talk about how my family and I went uh, to California over reading days. We got to go to an REF conference uh, for a school in California, and we went to a, a, a grove of redwood trees. You guys ever seen redwood trees in the West Coast? If some of you have, they're just pretty magnificent. Uh, my favorite thing in nature is really big trees. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's weird to you. I just love, I love trees. Dolph, what's up? I love, I love these trees. And there are trees in the grove we were at. The, the biggest one I think is like 275 feet tall. It's like a 30-story building. It's like you can't even get like enough relief to, to see how big these trees are. They're just massive. Uh, and there's one tree there. What, one of the things that redwood trees do is that you'll have these trees that start to grow next to each other, and eventually they'll grow together so that you'll have this, like, bank of the base of a tree, and it could be, like, 20 feet across. And there's, like, different trees growing up from it, but at the base it's solid. It's solid wood, okay? I don't, I don't know how this happens, but these trees are, like, some of these trees that I saw have been standing since, since Jesus said these words, Okay. And um, there's this one tree there, and as it grew, instead of growing in a line, it kind of grew in, in a circle. So you have this massive tree, and it kind of cones out at the bottom, and there's this little fold in the base of the tree, and there's a hole about this big, and you can go inside. 
And uh, when you see these redwood trees, it's just incredible. And you can talk about these redwood trees, and it's just incredible. And you can even try to put your hands on these trees and put your back against them and look up and try to deal with it. But this is a tree that you can actually go inside of. And there's enough space inside. Uh, the, the park ranger who was there told us that one time a group of high school students, they got 85 people inside this thing. That's how big these trees are, okay? Some of them I got to be on shoulders because I went in there and it was, it was tight, okay? But this is a tree that um, when this land was privately owned before it was, uh, before it was state land, there was a like, hotel room inside this tree, and you could go and like spend the night. And apparently, it was like a thing to go honeymoon inside this tree. And, and I, I just find it really remarkable to think about this tree that you you can see it, and you can touch it, and you can think about it, and you can experience it. But it's a totally different level to be inside of it. You can you can feel the weight of it on top of you. It's terrifying. I could not sleep in this tree. Like we can think about love and talk about love. I am so glad that Jesus didn't just tell us about love. He lived inside of it. He embodied it. He carried it on him in every level of every part of his being to save us. So let's not just talk about love. Let's live inside of it. Let's go in and extend that love so that everyone might know who we follow and that God might be glorified. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we, we praise you and thank you for the ways that you have demonstrated love to us and the ways that you have lived out love, especially, Lord, and the cross and your victory over sin and death and the resurrection. Uh, Lord, help us to respond to that love and to your call to love we, we really long to glorify you. We want to make your name great so that many would see and experience that love and it would be healing for them. We praise you for your great love for us. And we long for people to know us and see that we follow you by the way that we love one another. In Jesus' name, amen.